there, everybody. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. Today, we'll be diving into episode 113, and today we're going to be talking about third spacing. So you may or may not have heard of this concept yet. If you haven't yet, don't worry. You absolutely will, and you'll definitely come across it when you're taking care of critically ill patients for sure. You could see it somewhat in your uh, med surge patients, absolutely. So we'll be diving into that. It's something that you'll probably use quite frequently as a nursing student and definitely as a nurse. Before we get into that, I just want to give a huge shout out to all of my new Crucial Concepts boot camp students. We are not even through the early bird enrollment period yet, and we've already blown the doors off our enrollment numbers for our last period. So I am so thrilled that so many of you are joining me in Crucial Concepts Boot Camp as we learn those core concepts that teach you how to be a successful nursing student. And you guys, there's still time to get in on that course before enrollment closes August 11th. So if you're listening to this episode on the day that it airs or even a couple of days afterwards, there's still time to get into this enrollment period. It closes August 11th, 2020. And I will put some links in the show notes for you so that you can easily find your way to that. So speaking of Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, don't just take my word for it. Let's do a quick shout out. To Annalise, who writes, I just finished my first week of nursing school, and I just have to say thank you, Nurse Mo. Boot camp helped me prepare so much, and I already feel ahead of the game. I'm so glad I did this and that I have continued access to the resources as I go through my first semester. You rock. Well, I just have to say right back at you, Annalise, that you are the one who rocks. Thank you so much for putting your trust in me and enrolling in boot camp and writing back to let me know how much it has helped you. That absolutely makes my day. Okay, you guys, we are going to dive in to the topic for today's podcast, which is third spacing. And I usually tell you to go for a walk or... Do something productive, but if you are a very visual learner, you might want to just jot down a couple of things as I explain the fluid compartments, and then you can go on about your way, because I find that when I can see the way they are... um, you know, the way they are categorized in the body, when I can see that on paper, it makes a lot more sense to me. Some of you will be able to visualize it in your mind just fine. So either uh, get a notepad handy real quick or go ahead and get to tackling that pile of laundry you've been meaning to fold or get outside and let's go for a walk together. That sounds lovely. So when you guys are taking care of patients, and especially, like I said before, patients that are critically ill, you could very often hear the term third spacing, and you'll hear that thrown around like, oh, he's third spacing, or his pressure has dropped, he's third spacing. So you might not understand what that means just yet, but hopefully by the end of this episode, you absolutely will, and you'll know some of the things that we do to help treat that in the clinical setting. So the first thing 
to really understand about this concept of third spacing is you really need to understand fluid compartments in the body. And this will vary by gender, it'll vary by muscle mass, but as a general rule, about 60% of body weight is due to water. So it's a huge, significant factor physiologically. And we call this total body water or TBW. That might sound familiar from your anatomy and physiology course. So all of that water, that TBW, is distributed throughout the body in what we call fluid compartments. Some of those compartments are contiguous, like the intravascular space, for example, and others are virtual compartments like the intracellular space. So let's take a look at how these fluid compartments are dispersed throughout the body. And this is when, if you wanna jot this down so you have like a visual cue, this is the time to do that. So we have total body water making up about 60% of body weight. Okay, so write, if you're writing this down, write total body water at the top of your notepad or sheet of paper. Now, total body water itself is made up of two main types. So draw little branches coming down off of that like, a, like an upside down V. Two main types. On one side, write intracellular fluid. And on the other, write extracellular fluid. Okay, has so everybody got that? And if you're not writing it down, visualize it in your mind as you go for a walk by the lake. Okay, so the intracellular fluid, that's the fluid that's within the body's cells. So intracellular within the cells. We can all remember that, right? That's pretty easy to understand. The extracellular fluid, that is dispersed throughout the body in various, even smaller compartments. And the ones we care about the most are the interstitial fluid. That is the fluid that surrounds the cells. It bathes them in nutrients and other chemicals that are necessary for the body to function. It also acts as a transport medium for things that is going in and out of the cell. So we have the interstitial fluid. Then we have the intravascular fluid. Okay, so that's in the vascular space. That's plasma and lymphatic fluid in the vascular space. And then we have transcellular fluid. And that's fluid in epithelial lined spaces. Um, this includes fluids of the gut, synovial fluid. It includes cerebrospinal fluid, even the aqueous humor in the eye, and fluid that's just hanging out in the bladder. Now, if you're a total perfectionist, a total type A student, then yes, there are two further fluid compartments, but this fluid um, and these other two compartments is not easily mobilized, and when we say a fluid is mobilized, we mean it doesn't really move around. It's not going to shift from one compartment to the other, but it is there, so um, this is in the bone and in the dense connective tissue, so if you wanted to know what those other two were, there you have it. So let's look at third spacing just as a very simplified concept, okay? So third spacing occurs when fluid moves from that intravascular compartment, and when it's in the intravascular compartment, you guys, it's able to contribute to cardiac output. It's able to contribute to maintaining the patient's blood pressure.
Okay, and you guys all learned that in anatomy and physiology, right? So when the fluid is in the intravascular compartment, it is able to contribute to the person's hemodynamic stability, their blood pressure. It moves from there into a body compartment where it does not contribute to cardiac output or maintenance of blood pressure. So in even simpler terms, the fluid leaves the intravascular space and leaks into another compartment where it really isn't going to do anything useful for your patient. So typically, this is the interstitial space, but can also can include the transcellular space, which occurs in things like ascites, okay? So again, third spacing occurs when fluid in the intravascular space, so basically the fluid that's hanging out in all the blood vessels, when that fluid leaks into the interstitial space, it no longer can contribute to cardiac output. It can no longer uh, be part of the fluid volume that helps your patient maintain a blood pressure. So um, it's not going to help your patient anymore. And in some cases, it can uh, be detrimental because the blood pressure drops so much. So what causes third spacing? This is an excellent question. Um, and knowing what causes it can help you kind of be on the lookout for it when you're taking care of patients in clinical answering questions on exams or in case studies, or when you're out there working as a nurse, and you really will see it a lot, you'll kind of know which patients are at risk for third spacing, and which patients who might be having a little compromise, and you might be able to say, I bet Bob in that room over there is third spacing. So just a little review before we go on that oncotic pressure is generally due to those large plasma proteins inside the intravascular space. And when we talk about plasma proteins, typically that's albumin. Okay, you guys got that? Let's move on. Third spacing occurs when you have decreased oncotic pressure in that intravascular space. So I hope you guys all remember kind of the general concept of oncotic pressure, pressure gradients, things like that um, from your anatomy and physiology class. So when you have that decreased oncotic pressure in that intravascular space, there's a drop in that pressure and fluid can then leak out of the intravascular space into that interstitial space. And yes, this can even occur in the brain. And when it occurs in the brain, it's cerebral edema, which can be very dangerous for your patient. So in most cases, you're going to care uh, the most about third spacing because the fluid that would normally contribute to blood pressure, like we mentioned already, is now basically just hanging out in a place where it shouldn't really be. So even though, let's say, um, you know, some patients, like say your patient is on a diuretic like furosemide or Lasix, and they've been taking it for a long time. And I don't know, this happens, I guess. Sometimes patients will accidentally take too much medication and the patient comes into the clinic and they've lost a significant amount of weight and they are very uh, hypotensive. And the reason they've lost weight is because they've lost water weight, right? They've, you know, kind of... Uh, peed away all their excess water weight. So let's say, you know, that makes sense, right? They've lost 
water weight. They've lost water. Now their blood pressure is low. Well, let's say you have a patient in the hospital who's third spacing. There would be no change in their weight, um, but they would still be hypotensive. So it's not necessarily that they've lost water. They've just lost it from the physiologically active space where it needs to be. And it's gone into a space where it's not going to do them any good. So you could have a patient who is hypovolemic Even though they haven't excreted water, they're still hypovolemic in the intravascular space, so they're hypotensive as a result of that. The patient with the Lasix would be hypovolemic because they've excreted the fluid. In this case, it's simply shifted from a space where it doesn't need to be into what we call the third space, that space where it's not helping to contribute to blood pressure. So along with decreased oncotic pressure in the intravascular space due to things like low albumin, low protein levels, third spacing can also occur with trauma. So burns are a huge, huge contributor to third spacing, and so is abdominal surgery. So if you've got a post-op surgery, a post-op belly surgery, what we call a big belly um, in my hospital, it's not because the patient is large in body size, it's because they had a big abdominal surgery. Those patients are incredibly unstable and kind of scary to take care of, to be honest. You're going to watch very closely for hypotension and massive fluid shifts. So big abdominal surgeries, burns, traumas, things like that can really set your patient up for third spacing. Another instance where you will see it a lot and where I've seen it probably the most consistently and the most severely is in sepsis. So that leakiness of the capillaries that occurs in sepsis with that just out of control inflammatory response causes fluid to leak out of that inter- uh, leak out of the intravascular space into the interstitial space and is um, another reason why your patient with sepsis is so hypotensive. And you guys, I've seen patients with sepsis who are third spacing so severely that the fluid is leaking out through their skin. And that is just a really, you know, that's a really tough place to be. That patient is very, 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 very sick. So I hope that gives you kind of a a high level view of what third spacing is and why it occurs. And now we're going to go through my latte method for a patient who is experiencing third spacing. Okay, so if you don't know about the latte method, you get a crash course in it right now. All right, so the L in latte stands for how is this patient going to look? When you look at, observe, interact with a patient who is third spacing, what will you notice about them? So the patient who is third spacing will usually have very visually evident edema. And at times, this edema is very extensive. Um, They may have a marked weight gain. Now, earlier I said the patient may not have a weight loss. Uh, Most of the time, though, they do have a weight gain. And that's simply because, uh, let's say they're septic. And a lot of times with sepsis, you know, you have that hypotension. So the renal output is not going to be up to par. Patients retain 
explain all the fluids that we're giving them. We give them a lot of fluids in sepsis. They third space out that fluid, um, and then they gain weight. Other patients are gaining weight, and it's water weight, but they're gaining weight because we're giving them fluid for whatever reason and their medications and whatnot, and because the fluid is leaking out, right, it's leaving the intravascular space. It doesn't get filtered down to the kidneys to be excreted in the urine, so the weight kind of accumulates that way. So a lot of times your patient who is third spacing will have a weight gain and look edematous, look swollen. And in some cases, like I said, um, it can get so severe that it leaks through the skin. And what you'll see are like blisters starting to develop on the skin. Um, And then if whenever you're moving the patient, they're very fragile. These blisters, they'll um, um, tear, they'll come open, and then the fluid comes out. So it's very, um, very common in that really septic, really sick patient. So again, patient third spacing, edema, uh, look like they've, you know, they're puffy, they're swollen, things like that. The A in latte is for assessment. How are you going to assess a patient who is third spacing? So you'll obviously assess for that edema. You want to monitor the severity and the extensiveness of that edema. You want to monitor cardiac output. You'll be checking their blood pressure, monitoring their urine output. You want to make sure um, if they do have a drop in urine output, that's a sign that uh, they're third spacing a lot. And so because they're third spacing so much, again, the kidneys aren't getting the blood flow that they need to adequately perform and add produce urine. Check the patient's daily weights. You would want to weigh them, monitor their daily weights, listen to their lungs, and monitor for any difficulty breathing. A lot of times patients who are third spacing can that fluid kind of gets into the lungs, so we want to monitor their lungs. So uh, monitor their oxygen saturation levels. We want to monitor their heart rate, again, their blood pressure, and monitor their neurological status if we suspect cerebral edema is coming into play. And in cases where, you know, the patient has ascites or maybe had a big belly surgery, you could monitor their abdominal girth as well to keep an eye on how much um, swelling edema is occurring in the abdominal cavity. So there's two T's in the latte method, and the first one is for what tests are likely to be ordered and conducted for a patient who is third spacing. So there are, you know, because there's so many reasons why a patient could be third spacing, the chosen diagnostics and lab studies will obviously vary based on your patient's condition and and why they may be third spacing in the first place. But, you know, things that may be assessed pretty regularly or commonly could be albumin and pre-albumin levels. Okay. Albumins, again, are big proteins that contribute to that um, oncotic pressure. Patients who have liver disease often have low albumin levels, so they may do liver function tests to determine if that is the reason for the patient's third spacing. Um, maybe a echocardiogram of the heart to check the cardiac output, check the cardiac function. Chest x-rays may be done to look for any fluid that could be in that interstitial space around the lungs leading to pulmonary edema. Abdominal x-rays can help determine if there's fluid in the abdomen as well as an ultrasound that can measure ascites and kind of give an idea of how much fluid is in the abdominal cavity. Now the T, the second T in latte is treat. How are we going to treat our patient who is third spacing? 
Well, for starters, you definitely want to always look at treating the underlying cause of the reason the patient is actually third spacing. So a lot of times what you'll see in the clinical setting is that the MD will order colloids, which are these very large molecule fluids to help increase that oncotic pressure within the intravascular space. So the most common one that we give is albumin, um, but there's also dextran. There's also something called hetastarch. Um, maybe those are maybe there are other ones that that are out there, but those are the three most common, I believe. And all of these are large, they're very heavy fluids made up of large molecules that increase oncotic pressure in the intravascular space and help to um, pull that interstitial fluid back into the vasculature where it can A, contribute to blood pressure, and B, uh, be released as urine if uh if that's what the patient's physiology requires. So when the fluid shifts back into the intravascular space, we say that we say that, that fluid has been mobilized. So you'll hear the phrase, uh, we're going to mobilize his fluids, usually means we're going to try to pull it back into the intravascular space, often by giving a large molecule fluid like albumin, and then hope that that fluid is now mobile, meaning it's roaming around the body in the intravascular space, contributing to cardiac output, and able to be excreted through the kidneys. Now, the E in latte is educate. How do you educate a patient or a patient's family when the patient is third spacing? So you always want to administer education on all of the uh, medications or maybe that albumin that you're administering, why you're doing it. Family often find edema of this magnitude to be very troubling, especially when it's extensive. It can drastically alter the patient's appearance and it's it's worrisome and, and upsetting for the family. So you want to explain why it's happening, what measures are being taken to reverse it, and explaining to them how fluid shifts occur and how we mobilize that fluid back. That can really help um, lessen their anxiety. Okay, so that is just a basic overview of third spacing. I hope that it helped you guys understand this concept so that when you see it in the clinical setting, you kind of understand what's going on. And when you see someone giving albumin, and you'll often see albumin given and then Lasix, furosemide given right after. And the reason for that is if you've got a patient who's severely edematous, you know, five liters positive, 10 liters positive for their fluid balance, and you want to excrete that fluid out, you want to get it out through the urine, you give albumin, pulls it into the vascular space, you follow that with Lasix, it triggers that um, diuretic action, and then they urinate it out. So you'll see that combo done quite a bit. So now you'll understand what's going on. So let's talk about what's coming up next week, you guys. So next week, I'll be diving into some tips for those of you that are starting your uh, your capstone clinical experience, your preceptorship, whatever it's called at your school. A lot of programs have like a very intense 
clinical experience for that final semester. So I'm going to give you some tips for how to thrive in your preceptorship. So I look forward to seeing you back here for that. And again, if you've been thinking about Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, you guys have a few days left to get in this enrollment period ending August 11th, uh, 2020, in case you're listening to this way in the future, August 11th, 2020 is designed for students who are starting school late August, September. If you're starting your program January of 2021, then you'll probably want to wait and enroll in December. And that's the next time that enrollment will be open, okay? And then it opens again around, I want to say, April for those schools that start May, June. So that's how Crucial Concepts work. Enrollment is only open three times per year. You can always visit the webpage for it and get on the wait list. And then I remind you uh, when it's open so you don't have to keep watching for it. So again, I will put the link there and you guys can, or you can just go to my website, straightanursingstudent.com. And there's a link uh, in the header across the top for boot camp. Just click on that. It'll take you right there, but I'll add it in the show notes too, to make it easy for you. Okay. You guys have a fantastic day and I will see you back here next week. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.